Welcome to the My Horse University podcast, sponsored by Michigan State University Extension. Today, we're visiting with Dr. Jamie Pribble, who practiced at Buffalo Equine in Buffalo, Minnesota for 13 years as an equine veterinarian. She recently joined Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health as a professional services veterinarian. She is a member of the AAEP's Wellness Committee and is passionate about professional wellness and leadership. Welcome, Dr. Pribble. Thanks, Christine. Thanks for having me. Um, Dr. Pribble, uh, what is your role uh, with the AAEP Wellness Committee? So the AAEP is the American Association of Equine Practitioners, and um, we have equine veterinarians that are members from all over the country. So if you have an equine veterinarian, it's more than likely they're a member of the AAEP. And um, over the past several years, it's become, you know, very apparent that we're facing um, a, a well-being issue with our veterinarians. Um, and our professional um, veterinary staff um, in the veterinary industry. And so AAP, along with the AVMA, which is the American Veterinary Medical Association, um, has really highlighted uh, well-being as something that we need to support our membership in. And so um, in the past few years, the AAP had a subcommittee uh, that focused on veterinarian well-being. And last year that subcommittee was um, granted full committee status. So our role, you know, I'm one of the, the board members that sits on that. And our role is to um, support our membership um, with resources and tools, um, learning opportunities that will help support their well-being. And we have, um, you know, there are several areas of well-being that we look at, and that's um, occupational well-being, financial well-being, um, emotional and social well-being, um, and spiritual well-being, because all of these things contribute to um, a person's uh, personal and professional overall well-being. I've had the opportunity uh, when I was in college to work at some um, uh, veterinarian clinics. And uh, one of the things that always impressed upon me was how closely our veterinarians work uh, with their clients. And it's not just about the animals. There's a lot of uh, uh, people interaction in there. Um, sometimes you're working with clients when they're uh, when they're extremely stressed and emotional because uh, we as animal owners have so much uh, invested in our animals from just a emotional standpoint. And then of course, with horses, you also have the financial <laughs> end of things in, in those in investments. Um, what are some of the stressors then that are unique to our equine practitioners? Well, across the, you know, across the board um, in the, in the veterinary profession, of course, we have, you know, um, long hours, um, 
you know, it's a, it's a stressful environment because you're, you're moving quickly from, you know, appointment to appointment, but particularly for, for the equine practitioner that a few things that are a little bit unique, um, the lifestyle and hours are, are a little bit different because for the most part, um, you know, there's a lot of emergency on call involved in being an equine practitioner. Um, if you're a solo equine practitioner, which a lot of folks are, that's a, a 24-7 job, 365 days of, of the year. And um, your, your downtime really isn't your downtime because we have these things called cell phones now and you're just always available and, and really you need to be. Um, there's a lot of financial stress for, um, for all veterinarians, but particularly equine veterinarians because coming out of, of school, student debt is quite high. Um, and starting salaries for equine veterinarians tend to be lower, um, significantly lower than on the pet side. Um, so we have those on-call demands as well, and then a really high risk of, of physical injury. So I know I surveyed, um, we have nine professional services veterinarians on our team at Beringer Ingelheim who were all in practice. And um, out, of, out of the nine of us, um, eight of us had um, injuries that sidelined us for a period of time from work. So severe enough where, you know, we actually had to, had to step away from the job for quite a while. And myself, um, I had a significant enough injury that I was out of work for seven months. So um, those are some of the things. Um, and then, you know, we kind of run into some things like um, generational conflicts come into play too, because uh, we have, you know, very few um, students actually enter equine practice. And so of those, you know, few students that do go on to be equine practitioners, 50% of them tend to leave equine practice by their fifth year of equine practice. So they'll either go to small animal or do something else. And then we have a huge population of equine veterinarians that um, like over 50% of our AAP membership is over the age of 50. So we have this large amount of, of folks that are sort of on the verge of, of retirement and they need, you know, a place, they need folks to come up and buy their practice. And, you know, there's some differences there in generational ideas of, you know, work-life balance and, and, you know, how, how we want to practice in this day and age. So those are, those are some unique stressors to, to the equine veterinary industry in and of itself. Yeah, those are, there's a lot of uh, discussion there that at least I have never really uh, uh, thought about in uh, too much detail. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, what can we as clients do to support our veterinarians? Well, I think, I think clients, you know, have to, I mean, I think one, one of the things they have to realize is that, you know, your veterinarian always has the best interest of your animal and yourself at heart. And I think, um, you know, particularly for, for owners and clients, um, you know, a lot of times when we're visiting with them, it is one of those very, very stressful situations. Of course, we have plenty of times when we get out there and we're doing, you know, an annual exam. And as veterinarians, we would much rather do those kind of calls than, than see horses that are injured or, or on emergency. But I think one thing to remember is, is, is no matter what your, your veterinarian does have, 
you know, your horse's best interest at heart. Um, nobody got into the job of being a veterinarian um, without a strong love and passion for, for animals and for human beings, because of course, all of our animals come with, with human beings and our clients, they end up being like family. So I think it's important just to, just to remember that um, and, and to be patient, to ask good questions. Um, make sure when your, your veterinarian is coming out that, you know, that you're, you're ready for them, that you have the horses caught and um, that before they come out, um, that you talk to the office staff about all of the things you might want done that day so that we make sure that we block off enough time. Because a lot of times what happens is we get the, oh, well, you're here, can you do this? And that really can mess up the day, right? Because of course we're there, so we're going to do it, but then we back up the next client and the next client. And it just, you know, our whole day is planned out um, and things come up that throw a wrench in it, of course, emergencies and things like that. But if we can plan ahead and know exactly, you know, what you're looking for as a client when we come out, um, that helps us schedule that time and make sure that we have enough time for you. So it doesn't seem like we're rushed when we're there. Um, and, and if you have a concern or you don't understand something, um, make sure that you express that to your veterinarian in a, in a patient and kind way and say, you know, I just didn't really understand what you were telling me or, or give them a call on the phone at the office. Um, one other thing too, is to remember that even though we have cell phones and you may have your veterinarian's cell phone number, <laughs> unless it's an emergency, try not to text them at night or on the weekends. I know it's easy to do when you think, oh, they won't, they won't look at this till Monday. Um, but we all do, right? As soon as that, that phone dings, we're gonna look at it and we're gonna start thinking about it, even if it's the weekend and we're not on call. So if you can wait, um, that would be great. So those are just some of the things that I think you can do and, and try to develop a really good relationship with, um, with one veterinarian or one veterinary practice instead of kind of bouncing around because that really helps us give, give the best care to your horse because then as the practice, we have all the records and we know um, your horse and we have the opportunity to know you over, over several years. That's great. Um, I know that, you know, over the years, uh, uh, I've been able to establish uh, some really close relationships uh, with my um, veterinarians and uh, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, uh, and of course, with some of our dogs and stuff, we've gone through a lifespan of a dog with one veterinarian <laughs> from start yeah. to finish. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it really makes things uh, easier for me. But uh, I also see the emotional stress it puts on the veterinarian. And when you think about it, you know, I, I'm looking at just my pets, but they have a lot of people involved uh, and their practice, you know, a lot of pets, you know, that they're seeing from start to finish as well. So um, we really appreciate all the work that uh, our veterinarians do to help us with our animals. Um, if a veterinarian is uh, feeling stressed um, and uh, uh, needs to seek out, seek out some help, uh, where would they go? What would you suggest for them? 
So the, um, the AVMA, the American Veterinary Medical Association, and the AAEP um, both have um, wellness resources on their, um, their websites that are very good and that will direct um, anyone that is having um, really any kind of concerns um, as far as well-being, whether it be, you know, mental health, um, financial, um, there are things on there, um, resources for physical health, of course, because that's part of our, all of this, you know, plays a role in our overall well-being. And so there are a lot of resources on those websites. And then, of course, um, you know, if someone is in a situation where, um, you know, they're concerned that they may harm themselves, there's, of course, the National Suicide Hotline. And um, that's something that that should be called right away if, if there's, um, you know, if there's a concern there. Absolutely. And uh, for this podcast, we will link up to that number uh, so that anybody listening to that uh, will be reminded that there's always help out there. And it's much better to uh, reach out and get that help. Uh, that's, what, that's what everybody is here for each other for. So um, thank you. Thank you so much in the role that you're playing. Uh, with the AAEP Wellness Committee and for uh, sharing this information with us today. Thank you.